Is Ray Chang the Korean Chuck Swindoll, or is Chuck Swindoll the Caucasian Ray Chang? The early days at K-Wave spinning the tapes of Chuck Smith on the graveyard shift. Planting churches and training young leaders, geeking out in Luke 20 about Jesus' authority, and how long does it take to preach through the Gospel of Luke? Today on the Teaching Pastor Podcast, we have Ray Chang, the senior pastor at Ambassador Church. Hey everybody, welcome to the Teaching Pastor Podcast. Uh, We are here with pastor, scholar, professor... Ray Chang, um, the senior pastor at Ambassador Church and uh, at Ambassador Network. Are you the executive director, uh, DreamWorks consultant? <laughs> I mean, how does that? Uh, I, I put on a lot of hats, Craig. <laughs> uh, but my favorite is actually Church Planter. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I, I forgot to that's, put that on there. That's one of my many, many hats. But uh, the thing that I, I, I'm really excited about is, is really developing uh, younger leaders and younger pastors, and that's kind of what we do here at Ambassador Church. No doubt. I mean, there's you. You can't. You can't. Uh, you know, spin around here without hitting an intern yeah. or a pastor <laughs> or someone who is. Um, and I. This one. One thing I love about what you guys are doing here at Ambassador. Now, where are we? Where are we doing this at? So this is Anaheim, California, and. Uh, Craig, you know this church very well. We just recently uh, merged two churches together, and so we're really thankful to be a part of a, a church that historically has been here for 50 years. And our church was planted about 10 years ago, and to bring these two churches together has created a real a neat dynamic here. Yeah, and there's no doubt. There's no doubt that there is great energy on the campus, and yeah, um, it's just fun to see life in these offices mm-hmm. and life. And books on these shelves yeah. and books in these boxes right here. Yeah. Anyway, well, this is this is sort of the the pastor's envy. Whenever I show pastors my office, the first thing they look at is the books. Yeah. So this is the most amount of bookshelves I've ever had. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. Well, cool. Well, hey, Ray, this is um, this is a great opportunity for us to um, maybe just say a little bit about. I mean, you were just talking about one thing we didn't mention is former employee mm. at K Wave, mm-hmm. Calvary Chapel. Uh, Radio network. Yes. Like, what were you doing at K Wave? So, so, when I was in college, I went to Biola. Uh, they had an opening for a uh, a graveyard uh, on air operator. Basically, I, I ran all the teaching tapes from 12 midnight to 6 a.m. <laughs> so, I would do that after class. I would drive to San Clemente and work the midnight shift. Uh, the best part was Christmas because for, for about three weeks, all we would play was Christmas music. All, all oh, that long. was it. It was just yeah. <laughs> otherwise it was like Chuck Smith tapes, and you were just exactly. Like, they, they they say the uh, the uh, the um, the seminary yes. on radio is what they you know. And, and the thing about Calvary Chapel uh, K Wave was uh, I got to hear some good preaching, oh, and yeah, good no teaching, doubt. and and I think that's that's the great thing about that that program was yeah. to have so many people listen in and really. Uh, desire to know more about God's Word. Yeah. Oh, and that's certainly a part of the legacy of Calvary Chapel. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Now, where... So, so Ray, you um, you are the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, how often are you... Um, what's the setup in terms of who fills the pulpit? You guys are multi-site now. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how are you guys doing that? How have you done it in the past? How many times a week... Or how many times a year are you in the pulpit? Mm-hmm. And how many times are your associates in the pulpit? That's a great question. Um, you know, Craig, for... For me, as a, a young pastor, one of the things that I've always been, uh, I, I've been fortunate, um, in addition to Calvary Chapel, was right after uh, I graduated from Talbot, 
uh, I had a one-year internship at E.B. Free Fullerton. Okay. And there was a pastor named Chuck Swindoll, who was one of the pastors that, that I, I listened to on the radio, read his books. And just sort of being in that environment really gave me an understanding of uh, a passion for preaching. Uh, so one of the things that I've always desired uh, was to be in a church context where I can actually help others uh, develop their preaching. And the best way to develop your preaching is actually to preach. And so part of our strategy has been, uh, even though I preach about 75% of the time, uh, most of the summer, and, and especially during special holidays, uh, we give act- uh, our staff, our interns, associate pastors, uh, more opportunities to preach. Uh, right now, um, because of this new unique merger, I've been doing the bulk of the preaching, but our hope is that uh, I would do a little bit less, yeah. and our interns and our, our campus pastors would actually do more. Yeah, so what would be an ideal number for you when you think about your capacity? Yeah. Sunday is always coming, it's relentless. It like is. What, are, is it, you know, 35 times a year, 45 times a year? I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. You know, part of the challenge, and I think every pastor sort of wrestles with this, yeah. is the expectation of their people. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you are the primary communicator, there is an expectation that when people come to church, you're the one preaching. Because I remember when I was on staff at Fullerton, uh, people would call the office, and the first oh. question they would ask is, is Chuck preaching there this Sunday? Right. And, and if he wasn't, they would just hang up and, and not show up. Right. Uh, of course, we don't want it to be about the person. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I want to model for our staff is we want to work through the text. We want to make sure that the text is real, relevant, uh, done in a way that is, um, uh, really impacts the, uh, the lives of the people. Uh, we know that some staff need to still develop in their preaching. And so we don't put them in a situation where uh, their preaching may become, in, in some ways for them, uh, uh, to be a hindrance for, for their growth, but also for the people. We don't want them to be in an uncomfortable position yeah. of critiquing or criticizing, especially for younger pastors. Yeah. Um, so part of our goal right now is, is I think right now 60%, so I'm not sure exactly what number that is, uh, but 60%, 40 is kind of an ideal number that I'm kind of shooting for. Right now, we're about 75, 25. Okay, yeah. Now, so let's go back Let's go back to a young Ray Chang, mm-hmm. a young who is, tra- you know, I, I love the story about you and Chuck Swindoll mm. traveling up to Berkeley. <laughs> and some, some, young, some young guy comes running yeah. up, and uh, Chuck's getting ready because, oh, yeah, I'm Chuck Swindoll. You know, but he's a very humble mm. guy. But this guy runs right past Chuck mm. and is like, are you Ray Chang? Are you Ray Chang? <laughs> and it's oh, just... That. So you you are the you're the Korean Chuck Swindoll. No, they used to call Chuck the Caucasian Ray Chang. That was <laughs> That's what we called Chuck. Well, think back to those to those days mm-hmm. um, and your first kind of uh, cracks at the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what for you what's changed over the years in mm-hmm. terms of um, I mean we'll get I, I'd love to we're going to get into just the the kind of your secret sauce of how yeah, you get yeah. how you get there, but. If you think back, like what what's kind of changed for you over the years of uh, of, of getting in the pulpit? You know, uh, I, I remember um, when I was an intern at Fullerton, um, I had the privilege of preaching on side B of, of Ch- Chuck's side A. So that back then they used to give out cassettes, or people used to line up and actually buy cassettes. So so I, I do have a cassette with Chuck on side A and me on side B. But uh, one of the things about um, preaching, I think early on is especially the sense of, of everybody looking at you. Uh, there's a sense of self-consciousness. And I think as a young pastor, uh, it 
took a while for me to get beyond that fear of what, what do people think of me rather than what does the word of God say? How is this going to change people's lives? Uh, I think a lot of what a lot of young pastors are concerned with is what, what do people think of my preaching? Am I am I you know making it? Am I doing a good job? And so I think early on those are the things that I had to kind of wrestle with. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I still I, I don't think that there's a time I get in the pulpit where I'm not a little bit nervous beforehand. Yeah, and I mean, maybe you know, and you wonder if that ever goes away. Yeah. Like for you, do you feel like? I mean, are there times where you still get a little butterflies when, mm-hmm. before you step up? Or are you, is it just, I mean, because you're pretty, I mean, Ray, you like, you're, you're on it. You're like, let's move on to the next thing. I mean, do you, do you yeah. ever still get the, the butterflies? Well, especially if I don't prepare the night before. You know? <laughs> Any faster. But I think for me, um, the, the better I know my people, the easier it is to preach. Um, it, it's been interesting uh, after this merger, um, even though it's, it's only been about six weeks. Yeah. Uh, every time I come to preach here, uh, there is a sense in which I feel like I'm still an outsider. Mm. And part of that has to do with the, the lack of familiarity with the people, yeah. not, not knowing exactly their context. Uh, I mean, they've been so gracious in, in listening to me. And, mm. and, but there is a sense of nervousness because of that, uh, not knowing exactly what, uh, again, going back to my, my youth, we're uh, being concerned about what people are thinking yeah. versus actually not worrying about that and just preaching. Um, but as you get to know the people, the thing that is for me, uh, like we have two campuses, one in Anaheim and one in Brea. Uh, the one in Brea is, it seems natural because we've been there for 10 years. It feels like home. It feels like home. Feels exactly. Like home. And this, and it feels like you're on the visiting team a little bit. When exactly. You're in a, new, a new building mm-hmm. or, or a, a building that's been here for 50 years. Yeah. And, um, and folks like that. But yeah, they, the, the Sunkiss folks are fantastic people. Absolutely. So, um. Well, so walk me through the Ray Chang secret sauce. Like, how do you... So, mm-hmm. you've got a passage. Like, right now, you're in a Luke series, right? Right. 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 No, okay, so tell me about how you got into a Luke series. Mm-hmm. Like, when did you decide on that? Yeah. And um, and how do you, you know, how did you decide to go there? You know, for me, growing uh, up in a church where uh, there was a, a clear exposition of Scripture, you went book by book. That's sort of the way I grew up. And, and attending E.B. Free Fullerton, that's just the way that, that Chuck preached. He went through the you know, books of the Bible. Uh, earlier, when I went to Calvary Chapel, same thing, book by book, verse by verse. Uh, so that's sort of the framework that I'm in. Um, I was recently talking to another pastor, and they were talking about uh, you know, their f- church preaching for- format. And I asked them, so how do they pick a topic? And the young pastor said, well, it depends upon what the pastor feels at that week. Hmm. And I think a lot of churches sort of are kind of spontaneous when it comes to selection of the hmm. text. For us, what we try to give people is sort of a well-balanced uh, diet of yeah. God's Word. So yeah. we do Old Testament and New Testament. So generally what we try to do is if we preach a New Testament book, we also try to preach something from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So uh, this past uh, year, even though we're doing Luke, we would take breaks. So we've been doing Luke for the past four years. Okay. And But we would take breaks. Flying through. <laughs> so we would go chapter or, or, or basically paragraph or chapter, depending yeah. upon the theme of the, uh, of the text. But then we would take these long extended breaks. So we took a... Uh, about a eight-week break in the book of Esther. Oh, yeah. And we call it the invisible God mm-hmm. and the God who is there, but we that's not mentioned. And during the summer, we took another break, talked about um, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, the, the marks of, of, of godly Christian love. 
Uh, and then now we're back into our series in Luke. So we kind of do that as is we preach through the book, but we take these little breaks in between. Yeah, so that a long book like Luke, exactly. Whereas you can you can hit Esther, you yeah. can do that, um, but probably you know you're, you're not going to take as long in you know Philippians or Philemon, exactly Philemon. I mean, yeah. Um, so okay, so you're so right now you're when you picked Luke back up, you were in like Luke 16, mm-hmm. and now you're what in like Luke. 20-ish? 20 Yeah, we just finished 20 okay. last week. Yeah. So uh, for the first time, I did a whole chapter <laughs> because okay. we're running short now. And we're going to finish up in the spring. Uh, and now we're hitting a new series during Christmas called yeah. Legacy, okay. which is a legacy of Christmas. Yeah. But then Easter's coming, so yeah. you've got to get you got to get Exactly. <laughs> so we actually work backwards. You know, in terms of sermon prep, huh. uh, we, ha- we, we have a yearly calendar that yeah. we put up. And so we put that on our um, uh, Google Docs. And so our uh, pastors know who's preaching. Uh, we know exactly what text we're preaching. We know exactly what uh, topic, uh, theme. And in and, and, and this particular case, we actually did go backwards. We said, okay, when is Easter? And then let's start, you know, kind of prepping backwards. Yeah, and then reverse engineer it. Exactly. That, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so okay, so Ray Chang, you are, you're preaching on, you were just in Luke 20. What are you doing this week? What's... So we are now doing Thanksgiving, and that's the oh, thing okay, about yeah, right. the holidays. Uh, at, you know, one of the challenging uh, aspects of preaching is the redundancy of the holidays. Yeah. So you got Thanksgiving, <laughs> there's you only got so Christ- many Christmas sermons. Exactly. Right. You know, so Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, Easter. Those are sermons that everybody sort of expects on a certain theme. Yeah. Uh, and the challenge for us as pastors is oftentimes the creativity around that. Uh, so we're now going to hit, hit into our Thanksgiving sermon. And, and we're doing uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Okay. Anxiety and leaving a legacy of gratitude. Okay. okay. So, let's, so back up to Luke, Luke chapter 20. So you just did a full, a full chapter. Um, so how does that look? Like where do you, what does that look like from you finish Sunday, mm-hmm. the Sunday before, yeah. and now you jump in and Sunday's coming. Like what does your week look like? How does mm-hmm. that work in terms of sermon preparation and um, yeah. Yeah, what, t- walk me through that. You know, when I was a, a, a younger pastor, uh, most of my preaching was just looking at the text, looking at you know different books, commentaries, and, and I would do all the hard work now, uh, before. Nowadays, one of the things that I, I, I've learned to do is using uh, our staff team as both modeling, teaching, as well as collaborating together. Oh. So every Monday, uh, we would sit around uh, the table. I would have two of my campus pastors, one who oversees Anaheim, the other one who oversees Brea. And we sit around in a circle and we talk about what we preached on last week. What are some of the positives? What are some of the difficulties? that things make sense, not make sense? So we kind of do a simple review. But then we spend the rest of the time looking at the text for the following week. And, and we ask ourselves, what's the key theme? What's the key, uh, what's the message here? And then we go a little bit deeper. We look at the outline, and then we look at some some illustrations together, and we use sort of the collaboration, so that eventually, when we get to a point where uh, the campus pastors are preaching more, that instead of them preaching whatever they want to preach, we're actually preaching uh, a similar uh, a text, at least similar theme, mm-hmm. similar outline, similar exactly a path forward that, yeah. that everybody is on board with. So. Um, so in terms of obviously you have that that collaboration time. So what about time? Just you and the word. Like, mm-hmm. are you um, how quickly? Let's put it this way. Like, how in terms of just kind of 
in the word, kind of sitting in a passage, try, making observations on your own. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, bringing in commentaries, like what, what's that relationship like and how, how much time are you just kind of marinating in the yeah. word itself? Yeah. How much are you bringing in secondary resources in that yeah. way? You know, the, the hardest thing for me as a pastor is to preach a text that I've already preached in the sense that I have so much information already that I've done. And so it's important, though, that you always have fresh eyes. So I was, I was looking at chapter 20 this past week, and I said, okay, uh, instead of uh, doing one section of chapter 20, and w- which is really the way we have been preaching through the Gospel of Luke, is how do we preach the whole chapter? Uh, and so what's in, what's in chapter? Chapter 20? So chapter 20 begins, uh, so it's after the, uh, the triumphant entry, mm-hmm. and Jesus has just gone into the temple. He's uh, basically condemned people because they were taking advantage of God. Uh, especially at the temple, they were. They were um, uh, so Jesus gets out a whip, and, and we know the story that you know he says, "My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a house of thieves." So we see right after that incident in chapter twenty, Jesus begins to teach, and the first question that the the Pharisees ask is, "Whose authority are you teaching this from?" And so it's really the question of authority. So I was reading this section. I said, "Really, you know what this chapter is all about." is really about Jesus' authority. And so that became the theme of the whole chapter. So I was trying to say, okay, what is the main question here? Well, so we know in verses 1 through uh, 8, it's questioning Jesus' authority. But then the second topic that comes up is the topic of money. And and again, a similar theme happens. Uh, They say they're trying to trap Jesus. So you see this sort of uh, uh, back and forth. They're trying to trap him, and then Jesus asks them a question. And the question is, uh, or the Pharisees ask, should we pay taxes? A very practical question. And and and, and, and if Jesus says no, yeah, then he's <laughs> then he's causing a revolt against Rome. Exactly. If he says yes, then he's a Roman sympathizer. Exactly. So, so it's a no win, right? right? Right. So instead, what Jesus does, he asks them a question. So take out a coin, and they take out a coin, and says, whose image is it? And they said Caesar. So Jesus then makes the point. Render to Caesar what is Caesar, render to God what is God's. And then it, it really hit me. Well, that's about authority. It's God's authority. Render to God what belongs to God. And yeah. so we see this next story. Uh, and is of course, a, that's a great inner text, too. Back exactly. To, back to Genesis chapter 1. Right. Because whose who's image is on a human being? That's true. It's God's. It's God's image. God. I wish I I had taught that the Sunday. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's it's. You see the best. Too little too late. Exactly. The, the best heck? sermon illustrations come after the sermon, <laughs> not before. Uh, but you know the thing. So I so I said, you know what? That's about God's authority. Mm-hmm. And so I used God's authority or or Christ's authority over money as mm-hmm. as a as a major theme there. That, that Jesus is the authority over our money. And the next topic is on marriage. And so I, I use the same idea that Jesus' mm. uh, authority over marriage. And in this particular story, it's a, it's a story about uh, a law in the Old Testament where the Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. And so they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they're asking a theoretical question. If there's seven guys, they all marry the same woman, whose wife is she going to be? And the point is, is none of them. But it also helped us understand, well, there's a, there's a purpose in marriage. Uh, that Jesus is talking about. There's an earthly purpose, and it's in some ways to demonstrate uh, God's relationship to us. And, and so I use the Old Testament yeah. about the number one illustration that God describes in terms of his relationship to, to his people, 
book of Hosea is mm-hmm. is in the topic of marriage. Oh. So I talked about Jesus' authority over marriage. So what this text allowed me to do is, as, as I looked at the whole text, uh, say, okay, what is the key theme here, mm-hmm. and what is the sort of the the meta theme, the o- overarching yeah. theme? Yeah. And I didn't get that until I started reading the text again, because it's easy for me to get lost in the trees when instead you got to sort of look at the forest. So, you know, there are different ways to preach. Uh, you could preach word by word, verse by verse, yeah. chapter by chapter, uh, or book by book. Right, right. Oh, yeah. So this is, I mean, it is, even as I look at chapter 20, I'm like, man, that is like biting off a huge chunk of yeah. something that is going to be hard to chew. I mean, you got the parable of the wicked tenants in yeah. there. Um, and even even just this this thing about the Sadducees and resurrection, you could get lost in the weeds on real quick. Absolutely. Um, and the afterlife and and uh, marriage and is this mean we're not going to be married when we get to heaven and yeah. um, I mean that is uh, did you did you bring up any of those I mean did you talk at all about that you know I, I think Craig probably the hardest thing about um, preaching week to week is what you leave out oh, yeah. because we as pastors we as people who exegete scripture there's so much more we would like to share and so part of what uh, pastors have to do is to make selective decisions every Sunday. We have yeah. to pick. We and like choose. to call it on this podcast. You stand at the crossroads, right? And then you put stuff on the cutting room floor and you keep stuff. So tell me about how you make that. How, how do you navigate? That? Yeah. Well, and this is the editing process, right? Because there are a lot of great footage that we can shoot, but we can't show everything because it would take hours and hours and hours. Uh, our people don't have that kind of attention span. So. Uh, again, this goes back to the theme. So one of the things that, that I was taught when I was in seminary is what is the big idea? Mm-hmm. What is the key th- theme that Jesus is talking about here or the text is talking about? So always uh, uh, giving deference to what the text says. That's the first thing. So it's not imposing what I think the text is saying. It's really trying to draw out, exegete from the text what the text is saying. Yeah. So look at the big idea. And then if it's a chapter, you look at the bigger theme. And that's what we did here in chapter 20. I said, okay, it's, it's about Jesus' authority, and they're challenging Jesus' authority. And so you could put that as an overarching theme that you could put hooks on. Right. And so, again, um, I wish I could have covered every little aspect of the resurrection, yeah. the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Uh, and, and then the last point here is Jesus is really declaring his lordship. Mm-hmm. Going back to verse 41, he said to them, how can a man say that Messiah is the son of David? And going back to their question, if Jesus is truly the Messiah, can he be the son of David? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is basically saying, even David declared, the Lord is my Lord. Going back to chapter 20, which right. is on authority. So right. uh, I looked at the overarching theme and I said, okay, this is what Jesus is declaring, his lordship over yeah. all things. I think also it's funny because I, I was thinking, of, you know, you look at this and, um, you know, it, it, from kind of a New Testament scholar perspective, yeah. like, man, there's so much in there. And just I want to get everything out there. Right. But I think there is something about it. And, and I think the long, your longevity, mm-hmm. like the fact that, you know, you planted a church in, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. You've been at Ambassador for 14 years. Like you come through Luke and you, you in a sense, you're like, I'm gonna. I'll be back here. Yeah, I'll yeah. be back eventually. Exactly. And I think that there is that sense of. Um, I certainly feel it because, um, you know, if, if you are preaching forty times a year, yeah, then okay, I don't need. There's some. I can leave some meat on the bone. Right. Right. And and I could and rather than cramming this all in, mm-hmm. I can edit. Yeah. And I can um, and I can be more strategic. Exactly. About um, about 
kind of not so much about the horizon of the of yeah. text, but the horizon of my congregation. Absolutely. So how do you, let's talk about the horizon of the congregation. Yeah. How do you think, like when you come to this, how much are you thinking about what the, your folks need to hear? Yeah. Rather than necessarily, obviously it's all in here. Yeah, yeah. But um, how do you come to those kind of decisions about what do I aim at yeah. in terms of what they need to hear. Exactly. Oh, that's a great question because, you know, I've heard, uh, you know, somebody say that, you know, ministry is about holding the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, understanding both the culture that you're in as well as the text of scripture. Uh, and the bridge between that, I think, is the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things in sermon prep that is critical is is really being guided by the Holy Spirit and, and really de- being dependent that he's the one leading. There'll be times where I'll be pre- prepping a sermon going in one direction and during the week, the Spirit of God prompts me in a, in a very different direction because of something that happens in the church mm-hmm. or some uh, uh, conversation I've had or some insight that I've had. And so always be willing to be led by the Spirit of God from, from in the text all the way to the preaching of the text. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been important. And just really discerning that, um, I do think that it's important to understand kind of where the s- situation is. For example, in our church, we, we just recently merged. Our church uh, at Brea was a lot younger. And so the, the issues that they're dealing with, uh, getting their first job or getting fired or not advancing in their career or uh, having their first baby is very different than a congregation that is 50 to 100 years old. And they've already dealt with all that. And so now my mind is shifting, okay, how is this text applicable to somebody who's older than myself, who, who's, who, have, who have more experience. So, um, so, so to keep that in perspective, I think yeah. is important. Yeah. So obviously you're doing this week by week. Um, there's got to be times when you just feel like, like you said, the spirit shows up or God shows up. Yeah. And whether that's about kind of giving you a sense of what do I need to say or even this passage is like hitting me. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like, how does, how has that been in Luke for mm. you? Like, what has been an, an example in, either in this last passage or in Luke where you just felt like, oh man, this like, this hit in a big way in my own soul, in yeah. my own life. Well, you know, as a pastor, if you if you're not preaching to yourself first, then you're not you're not going to be able to effectively preach to to the congregation because in some sense the gospel has to work through you and and in you and to transform you. Uh, so there are times where uh, you know you're preaching through the book of of Luke or any other passage of scripture, and it, you just have to stop and you have to think and you have to pray or you have to confess because there are things that that you're preaching against that you're doing, you know, whether it's a, it's a spiritual uh, issue, whether it's something that's internal that nobody knows about. Uh, like, for example, this Sunday, I'm preaching on anxiety. So talking about leaving a legacy of gratitude. And of and, course, nobody, we don't deal with anxiety <laughs> at all. And, and, and especially in this context, uh, you know, as I was sharing with you, you know, now acquiring a facility, acquiring, you know, people, there's a lot more weight on my shoulders and realizing how busy I am and, and how anxious I become. And that's all s- sort of subconscious. And now, as I'm working through this week's text, which is Philippians chapter four, uh, just to be reminded that God is speaking to me first, that do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication. Pay, uh, supplication with thanksgiving and and that's an important phrase right there with gratitude make your request known unto God and and for me um, 
always being cognizant that I'm the first recipient. I'm the first congregation member. Mm. Uh, and it's also important that your wife and your children, if you're married, have kids. They're there and they're listening to you. And the first person that always convicts me is my wife. <laughs> she goes home and says, well, you should have practiced that at home. And so I, I you know, realize that, that I'm accountable to God, but I'm also accountable to, to my family, immediate family, but I'm accountable to the church as well. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I it's, I, I, I remember standing up and just saying, look, if, if nobody hears anything that I say, it's still worth it because, man, I got, I, got, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I met God this yeah. week in sermon prep. Yeah. Are there any weeks where you feel like, like that, like it was just, it was profound? in the way God met you in in the preparation mm. that maybe you just struggled to get out to the rest like oh yeah like <laughs> <laughs> i would say every week sometimes there there are po- moments in every sermon yeah uh, now I, I have the luxury of doing two sermons so whatever i don't do well here i, I do better over right. there uh, but there are times where there, you know you what you want to say but it just doesn't come out the way yeah. uh, even though what you what you may want to say is is so is such a powerful you know, part of the sermon. And this is where you have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work beyond that. You see, I, I think I give myself too much credit or I give myself too much blame. And as a pastor, I think the danger is that uh, so often we, we put that pressure on ourselves. You know, some of the best compliments that I've received were sermons from that I felt like completely bombed. You know, didn't, you know, it's like I felt frustrated preaching it. But people come up to me afterwards and say, Pastor Ray, that was such a great sermon. Thank you. It really, you know, impacted my life. And and so sometimes you just have to trust the Holy Spirit is at yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now you, Ray, one of the things about your preaching as I've, as I've sat and under your teaching, um, you love a good YouTube video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> media, yes. Yeah, you yes. love, I mean, so talk to me about, yeah. about media and yeah. like how... How do you how do you find stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you get excited about? Yeah. Just like looking looking through that. Like tell so tell me about how how media plays into your teaching. You know, part of uh, the context of media, and again, media is one of those tools that that you just have to be careful because the media could be the message, and and you don't want to put a, a you know just a funny clip up there that has no relevance to what you're preaching. It's like a good illustration. Yeah. You know, you know, we as pastors know a lot of great illustrations that have no relevance. Uh, to what we're preaching. Um, so part of the challenge is not only finding something, uh, but uh, making sure that it fits with what you're talking about. So I never find the media first. I always work through the text first. Okay. And then after I work through the text, uh, I look for a lot of different illustrations. And again, this is where uh, uh, serving and, and learning under uh, Swindoll was so powerful. He was a master communicator. He was a master storyteller. And one of the realities of our generation is that oftentimes stories are communicated not just with words, but through pictures. Yeah. You know, we live in an Instagram, Snapchat culture where images are powerful. And so part of what I want to do is to communicate to that generation and say, okay, what is something that may visually stir people? So, so oftentimes a, a, a video would come before a sermon to set it up, or it would come after to follow up. So I work through that at, at the tail end of my message, not at the beginning. Okay. And do you use a um, like presentation software, or are you are you putting are you putting stuff up on the screen all throughout the sermon, mm-hmm. or are you just kind of words 
yeah. using like how how do you uh, how do you work with that? Yeah, I, I, you know, I have a lot of pastor friends who have different philosophies of yeah. using PowerPoint and and, and not. Uh, I teach also uh, adjunct, and so we, I do a lot of PowerPoint presentations. Uh, so I try to put the main points uh, on the on the screen. So we use PowerPoint uh, to do that. Um, but instead of words, one of the things I found more uh, powerful is just images. Just images. Yeah, so I do a lot more. So when I first started uh, preaching using PowerPoint, I would list 20 points <laughs> on the PowerPoint in like 12-inch fonts that nobody could read. Yeah, I love it. And, and that's professors, it. right? We yeah. do that. Um, but more and more, uh, so I, I talk about something, um, an illustration. I would just give an image of that illustration. Yeah. You know, people crossing at an intersection. I would just put an intersection up there. And then I would talk about it, and there, there would be a visible hook to what I'm talking about and for visual learners they, they may see that and, and learn something from it as they're listening to the story yeah. so again part of that is is knowing your audience uh, also knowing your style and there's no wrong way or right way yeah. uh, just to be aware that there are abuses to everything that yeah. you do so when do you in terms of your own preaching career and you preached under Swindoll and you've had and and you were baptized by Chuck Smith and <laughs> um, what when do you feel like you found your own preaching voice? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think early on. I remember when I was uh, at Talbot Seminary many years ago, uh, one of the homiletics professors said the first uh, semester he had to try to preach John MacArthur or, or Chuck Swindoll out of them. In other words, young pastors would try to imitate who they heard on the radio. And, and nowadays it may be, you know, uh, Tim Keller or John Piper or uh, Matt Chandler or some of the younger pastors. Uh, so I, I think that's natural. It's, 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 it's sort of because we've listened to him so much that we become like... So it does take some time. Yeah. And, and I think for me, um, you know, regular preaching, especially early on in my preaching, you know, really trying to move away and trying to be who I am and, and, and really developing my own style. It took a few years. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. But again, I think the be- more you do it, the better you become. Yeah. Um, it's like anything in life. Yeah, reps. I, I, I keep uh, definitely the sense of like getting reps, getting reps. You're only because it's never the first sermon is never going to be. <laughs> Absolutely. It's never going to be great. Yeah. You know, even and I'm not even like even if you're a prodigy, like. You might stumble onto something, yeah. but it'll be accidental. Absolutely. You know, there really is a craft to this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, we talk about the the art of preaching and the yeah. science of preaching. There is a technical aspect to preaching in terms of organization, in terms of, you know, making sure that things are clear, transitions. But then there's the art or the, 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 the craft that is very unique to the individual. And I think the technique side is is, is easy to learn and develop in seminary. But the art side, yeah. that's where you have to develop it on the job. Yeah. And, and you got to be true to yourself, too. Exactly. You can't be who you're not if, yeah. if it comes off. Now, what when you think about just the whole passage to message, like what, what sort of things like give you energy? Because you're, anyway, you're a pretty energetic guy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what gives you energy? Yeah. But what, what do you think about that is like, ah, if I don't have to do that again, mm. I'm okay? Yeah. Like what, what about the whole process? kind of ramps you up, and, and what yeah. about the process do you just not yeah. particularly care for? Uh, well, let me talk about it from a serious perspective, because there are times where there are certain passages that you just don't want to preach. Okay. For example, uh, I'll talk about it from the Old Testament. We did a series on the minor prophets. Mm-hmm. We call it Majoring on the Minors. Okay. 
And it was a great series. We Perfect. went through Jonah, went through Micah, Zephaniah, Zechariah. You know, I'm not an Old Testament guy, yeah. you know, and, and you as a New Testament. It's easy for me to gravitate toward uh, the Apostle Paul or Jesus and, and, and really simple, um, you know, exegetical outlines. But one of the things that, that I find myself growing in as a pastor and preacher, oftentimes the passages that I don't want to preach are some of the best sermons because I work harder at it. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to sort of rely upon our old messages, uh, the things that are easy for us, and that's not where we get stretched and grow. So, so there is a part in which uh, sometimes the things that we don't want to preach as we work through it become some of the most memorable sermons that we preach. True. Uh, ironically, uh, uh, after I preached the message on Zechariah, uh, a, a friend of mine was putting together a study Bible. Uh, it's called the Mission of God Study Bible. And he calls me up and said, could you write a little commentary on Zechariah? Wow. <laughs> so well, it's, it's so ironic that that's not my expertise. And yet I wrote this little motif on the returning to God in Zechariah. And so again, um, you know, preaching the whole counsel of God all the way from Genesis to Revelation and really preaching faithfully to the text and not really imposing on the text what it doesn't say. Yeah. So for me, the message and, and from the passage to you know finalizing the message uh, is is like preparing a meal. Uh, somebody said you know you get whatever ingredient that, that that you have, and you just work hard at it and making you know sometimes the material may not be what you want, but some of your masterpieces can come out of that. So yeah. to recognize that. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Well, Ray, this has been um, fantastic to sit down. If anybody wanted to listen to one of your sermons, a yeah. Ray Chang special. <laughs> you know, where where would they be able to find yeah. some of your stuff? So uh, you can always go. We, we have a church podcast. One of our uh, worship, worship directors puts it together. Uh, so uh, www.ambassadorchurch.com, and it's also on iTunes. Um, and so you so you can listen to that and follow along on our church website. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, thanks so much, Ray. This has been. It's so great to hear that. That is that's the Ray Chang secret sauce. I mean, that is that's if getting from text to message with with Ray and um, and it's great, great church, great to be um, you know part of this move for you guys. And uh, it's just uh, it's good to hear your heart and uh, and how you've uh, developed as a preacher over the years. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here. Hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Ray. Uh, great insights into. Um, what it takes and kind of the the evolution of what it what it takes to become a pastor and to find your voice. Um, if you want to hear any of Ray's sermons, you can go to ambassadorchurch.com. We'll have that link in the show notes. Love it if you would go and visit our Patreon site. Um, see if you'd be um, interested in uh, becoming a patron and supporting our podcast. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And um, yeah, we're having a good time doing the Teaching Pastor podcast. So uh, thanks for being part of it. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can get me at theteachingpastor at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.